1: All right, folks, uh, welcome to the latest Mount West Wire football podcast. Hopefully, we are reaching you a bit earlier because, you know, you got the holiday and we want to, if you're traveling, maybe you can annoy your family and listen to us. Jeremy Moss and Matt Kennerly. I apologize to the kids in the car who don't want to hear this, but this is what you're getting for the next hour. <laughs>
0: yeah, you know, mom and dad need their football time. <laughs>
1: exactly. So, yeah, if you're listening to this, uh, we'll, we'll make some jokes, but maybe we'll talk some turkey because... uh you've heard my take, it's overrated. It's just okay, but we'll get to it later. Facebook.
0: The the subject that will finally tear this podcast
1: apart. You think so? (laughs) Maybe, yeah. Uh, Did you see Michael Katz tweet about give us your hot takes on Thanksgiving?
0: Uh, I haven't had a chance to really look at it yet, no, but I imagine there's a lot of horrific takes out there.
1: That We can go through some of those. He uh, used to cover Boise State football and now does, what, news for the Idaho Statesman, mm-hmm. Something like that, breaking news. So we'll get into that because, hey, you're probably flying, traveling, cooking, who knows what you're doing for uh, turkey time. But, uh, yeah, uh, Facebook, Mount Westwire, Twitter, same thing. Despite people not really enjoying our tweets, we're still gaining more people to follow us, so that's always positive. Thank you for that. <laughs> we definitely appreciate that. we uh getting close to 1,200. That's a pretty good jump. So we'll overtake our former nemesis uh, eventually. Because we actually tweet, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, today, this week, Rivalry Week. Ri- rivalry Week. And I, I don't appreciate what I mentioned. I put a fun-hearted tweet out there. I think it was this morning or maybe yesterday. Hey, talk about Rivalry Week. You get some harsh talk back. It's not Rivalry on. Just screw you. It's like there's only one rival. I'm like, dude. And it's what the week's called. I'm sorry it's changed, but come on. Give me a break. I'm just trying to have some fun.
0: So, so the, are we? Are we sure whether the milk can is actually a
1: rivalry or not? I I, I should ask you that. It's Fresno, Boise State. What's they? I assume their reference was Aztecs Bulldogs. Who is Fresno State's main rival?
0: I mean, at this point in time, I think it's probably San Diego State because you know they have a history that goes back to the twenties and everything like that. I would say Boise is probably second, but. That's coming from me, you know, a Fresno State person who, you know, it's like <laughs> Boise treats Fresno like a nail more often than
1: not, you know. Yeah, even when Fresno's supposed to be good, we're going back to David Carr.
0: Yeah, so, you know, I, I think we consider it a rivalry. They maybe consider it a rivalry. There's a trophy and everything, but I feel like in the in the hierarchy of great rivalries in the conference, it's probably like middle
1: of the pack, lower third. So let me ask you this: What's the best rivalry in the conference? Then,
0: oh man, um, th- that's really hard to choose. One of them I think is taking yeah. place this weekend: UNLV in Nevada for the uh, for the Fremont Cannon,
1: most always... expensive trophy. By the way, that's always amazing. Yeah, <laughs> um,
0: I th- I've always thought the bronze boot was very cool. Mm-hmm. You know, there's it's it's really hard to find a bad rivalry matchup. But I think when you compare some of the other trophies on the line. I'm still kind of uh, on the milk can. If I'm being totally honest, I kind of wish it? they had just. I kind of wish they it? just kept going with it without the trophy. Like Why it is just, it?
1: What's the milk can about? Sorry, I keep jumping on you. But what is the? What's the origin of the milk can?
0: I assume it has something to do with uh, the dairy production in both the Central Valley and in in and around Boise. Yeah,
1: Boise got the potatoes. Well, I mean, I,
0: they got dairy up there too. I'm assuming, otherwise, they wouldn't have made it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, they got farms. I guess I've been there. It's uh it's uh, I don't know. It's it's a weird one. I there's a there's a million ways you can quantify. If you go buy the best trophy, at Fremont Cannon it is you typically the top one. I I like Fort Bridger the rifle, pretty mm-hmm. cool. The uh well wagon wheel is not right, not conference anymore, but or never was. But there's some decent ones, but I think the cannon um the boot you mentioned um I don't know. I do like how they paint the uh, Fremont. Whatever team owns it gets to color it. Mm-hmm. It wasn't there. Shoot. I got to remember. Didn't one team put in some inscription on a damage in it to um like. Uh... Oh, here it is right here. Secret message. I found it over at the Reno Gazette journal. Um, This is a pretty cool. Tidbit about that trophy. After UNLV won the trophy in 2000, rebel players and fans lifted the cannon um, celebration, accidentally dropping it and damaging it costing $1,500. However, there's also a secret message. Do you know? Do you know what the secret message is? I do not Anywhere. know what the secret message is. Okay, UNLV won the trophy after that 2000 incident. Or actually, no, sorry. After it was uh damaged um, while the can was being refurbished after that, like I said, 2000 drop. UNLV officials found an in- inscription inside the can that read "University of Nevada," or excuse me, "University of Not a Lot of Victories."
0: <laughs> Harsh.
1: So that's uh, obviously UNLV for those who get that
0: by the way to to clarify what we were talking about with the milk can by the way mm-hmm. the the money for the trophy was raised by two separate dairy groups according to the wikipedia page the south valley dairy group and the bronco dairy boosters okay so there you go
1: there's a lot of good trophies we've done our guy ryan swanson done some trophy stuff we got the, we got the hawaiian cowboy i think that's a really cool one with wyoming and hawaii when they play you the Golden Pineapple, which I don't care what they call it. That's what I'm calling it, UNLV in Hawaii. There's some good ones, but Cannon's up there. But I like the
0: trophies steeped in hate, personally.
1: So let me ask you, that's, that's where I'm going next. Like, the coolest trophy the Canon. So who's mm-hmm. the most hatred? Is it UNLV in Nevada?
0: Well, I mean, how many other... is? I mean, that is basically the only rivalry in the conference that is within, like, the same state that is... Taking as seriously, I think, as that one, you know, because there's the Ram Falcon Trophy between Colorado State and eh, Air Force, but we don't, don't think of that necessarily, you know, in the same way. And you know, the the Bronze Boot kind of crosses state lines. That's a cool rivalry, but it's, a, you know, two states. Yeah,
1: but it's also know. like 60 miles apart. It's pretty close. Yeah, but I don't know. I guess
0: I guess I would say that. Yeah,
1: because I I I, th- I, th- I don't know. I'd say Rams because you see how Twitter people. The sheep comments, all that stuff uh, about CSU and Wyoming, but uh, it's, I don't know, I'd say that one might be the most heated. It's, I don't know, that's what I'm saying, but uh, let us know, what what's the best rival, what's your worst rival, what do you hate the most, let us know. So, um, are we wrong, are we right? I don't know, they're all pretty cool in their own way, for the most part. I agree. So let's get uh should we get to some games, I guess, should we start and we'll sprinkle in some news that we have throughout, we'll Sure, it's our show. We'll do it. Let's do I, it. I will start with that. I guess that was a little awkward there. All right, so we got a Friday game, not um not out of the norm, but it's a one thirty p.m. game, Mountain Time there, twelve thirty Pacific. Uh, San Diego State plays a day game at home. How often does that happen? Ever? Never.
0: <laughs> I'm trying to think of the last time they played a day game, and I honestly can't remember.
1: They played an early afternoon game, but it was like there was that rain delay this year. Was it when they played a uh, Northern Illinois? Was Yeah. That the, or Air Force or something? Well, they we played at Air Force, though. Oh, yeah, yeah at Air Force. Uh, I don't remember. Maybe they played like a 430 Pacific game, but middle of the day, sun's out in sunny San Diego. Black Friday, go to the game, fill up the queue, see what happens. Even, well, doesn't matter. Play in New Mexico. Just be, see, sure
0: to, be sure to take your televisions home first. Don't leave them in your trunk.
1: <laughs> exactly. Get your Xbox One X, your uh, 60-inch 4K curved TV, Whatever else you get in Black Friday. Alright, first off, are you a Black Friday shopper at all?
0: Um, I Is am it... not personally. My family treats it like a military operation. Oh boy. <laughs> so I'm all I mean, so I'm on the periphery of that kind of action. And I do benefit from it directly. So yes and no.
1: I think it's changed a bit because now, like, you've seen the ads like for a whole month. Here's what's coming, here's what's gonna happen. So it's like if I see a deal, sure I might get it, but I'm not wake. Like, I've done it one time, or woken up like at 3 a.m. to go buy something, mm-hmm. one time ever, and I'm like, it wasn't worth it. <laughs> <laughs> Plus, you see people getting trampled out in the uh, in Walmart and everything. Jeez, that's true. It's um, it's out there. There's deals to be had if it's out there and it's convenient to me, sure. But I'm not gonna, like you said, the military off. That's uh, pretty intense there.
0: Yeah, I know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right, so for so the game itself, you got Aztecs, uh. And a Lobos, hey Rashard Petty, um, not a Doak Walker finalist award, which is that, abs- it's absurd.
0: Does that mean he goes off for like three hundred yards rushing now?
1: Sure, why not? Lobos' I mean, def- Lobos' defense is nothing special.
0: I was just thinking, that, you know, <laughs> because we we kind of saw what UNLV was able to do against them last weekend, and you know, I don't think we could, I don't know that we have necessarily anything new to add about the. Aztec's offense that we don't already know. You know, if you look at what New Mexico's done on defense, you know, it's been, I think, on the whole, a little bit better than you think it is. Mm -hmm. Because within conference play, you know, you whittle it down, they're right in the middle of the conference as far as yards per run allowed. You know, there's a huge drop off from Utah State at five to New Mexico at six, and they're sitting there at about 4.85 yards per carry. But what's oh, really interesting to me is that, like, some weeks they've been, them. like, really effective I at stopping
1: the run, buddy, so and some
0: weeks up. they've just been really abysmal at stopping the run.
1: If and to this basically, a tree, basically goes all the way
0: something. back to, gosh, Does I mean, if you, if, you, if you look at the game-by-game game log, it's kind of been an all-year thing. But especially in the last month or so, you know, they're, they've kind of struggled on defense as a whole, but... You know, Wyoming didn't really have much success against this defense. You know, they obviously won by 38 or 39 points, so it didn't matter all that much. But the Cowboys only had 2.3 yards per carry. You know, Texas A&M, even if they blew out the Lobos, they only averaged 2.7 yards per carry. And then you have, you know, games where, you know...
1: Boise State, but that was when they weren't playing very well either, when they were still figuring things out.
0: Well, even more recently, like the, the Utah State game was winnable and the UNLV game was winnable, but they gave up over five yards a carry to Utah State, right around five and a half, and they gave up over seven per carry to UNLV. So, you know, we've seen them have success against teams that aren't necessarily great at running the ball, and we've seen them struggle badly against teams that can run it really well. So I'm kind of inclined to think that this is a really bad matchup for New Mexico.
1: Yeah, and then look at, like, I'd say that the closest running attack that's I don't know, not comparable, but CSU—they're pretty good running attack, five yards a game. Fresno State, like not to go over every game, but their running game could be better, six and a half mm-hmm. yards almost per attempt. So, I think a couple of things: Penny's gonna be pissed. Everybody, Horton's mad. Um, Rob, Bob Davies probably upset, or not Bob Davies? <laughs> Maybe he is that he has <laughs> he to face Rashad being coming off of a yeah. stump like this. Sorry, Rocky Long's gonna be upset. It's like it's it's a thing where he may go off for a big game, but. I don't think it matters, but the snub like he he may say oh it doesn't matter, but everybody's saying how big of a joke it is because we're referring to him not being a finalist for the Duke Walker where he leads nation total rushing yards, uh, second in uh, what yards per attempt yards per game or yeah second in yards per game. I know it's not all the um seventeen touchdowns, which is more than Bryce Love, top three in the country. He's the uh, more than any other finalist in touchdowns. Like I said, I don't know what the yards per play is up there; pretty good. Um, seven yards per attempt is one of the highest ones as well in the country for running backs. So I, I don't know what the deal is, but it's like it's he should be there. Is there any reason he should not be there? I know he had two poor games, like Boise and Fresno, but people have bad games, and he's still even with those bad games, he's still crushing it. Are people <laughs> complaining about Bryce Love sixty nine yards against Washington State? Nope. They don't care. Are,
0: are they complaining that he actually missed a game as well?
1: Yeah, Oregon State did not play. And so it's like, well, it's like, come on. Did you see the penny thing? There said people are sending pennies to uh, the Doak Walker office.
0: I did see that. That's kind of
1: hilarious, actually. Hilarious and also too little too late.
0: It's a very petty petty for penny. I like it.
1: You should. What you should do, though, is send it to Heisman, Heisman voters. That's what you got to do.
0: That's true. I mean, if he puts up another big game like... I'm, I'm guessing that you and I both expect him to.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: He's got to be a shoe in as a Heisman finalist, right?
1: I would never use that word, but he should be. <laughs> but it's Top like five, at least like, okay. It's probably Baker Mayfield, most likely just because of what he's done at Oklahoma. Bryce Love probably is deserving what he's done with Stanford. Like uh, pulling up a couple of Heisman polls, you're like who else should be in there? Uh, Lamar Jackson should be, but he may not be because Louisville's not. See the things against them, Louisville is not as good as last year. And Aztecs aren't, like, playing for, like, a uh, challenging UCF or anything. Mm-hmm. They're not going to New Year's Six Bowl game. You got guys like uh, – here's what the Athletic has really quick. Baker Mayfield, Bryce Love, Lamar Jackson, Penny. You have a uh, Kerryon Johnson from Auburn and then Jonathan Taylor from Wisconsin. I don't mm-hmm. think Jonathan Taylor is going to get it, but he's doing quite well as a freshman there. Got Wisconsin undefeated. So, like, I he should be in there. Like, who's – like, honestly, like – it's not just running game. It's like go back to uh, Desmond Howard, what he's did, or Charles Woodson, mm-hmm. multi-faceted player. I know it's not a career award, and it shouldn't be treated that way, but he has the tied the all-time return return record for seven touchdowns. He's had what two games of three hundred all-purpose yards, top ten last week, number nine with all-purpose yards with four hundred nineteen or something, four hundred plus. He set all sorts of records. He leads one of the most. It's just every if you look at what he does. Hey, he doesn't catch the ball very well, but. He returns how many kicks? He's going to be special teams player of the year probably for the third straight time in the conference. You can't tell me if it's the most outstanding player. Honestly, who's been more outstanding than him? Because that's what the award's called. It's the most outstanding award for the college football player of the year. Mm -hmm. Whatever, you know what I mean? That's pretty outstanding. Him and Lamar Jackson, if it's most outstanding, it should be those two guys. I mean, I
0: guess we'll find out, right?
1: We'll see, but what – okay – Assuming they invite five players, she's going to be there. What if they invite, like, three? Well, like if they invite done...
0: three, that's just super dumb.
1: They've done that in the past, though, three or four. Oh, I know. It's still dumb. Yes. Uh, so, you think he'll get an invite? Do, does, will, he, will he need to do something special this game to maybe cement an, an invite? I mean,
0: another 200-yard game couldn't hurt. And I think when you consider that, you know, the front seven for New Mexico is, you know, they've really struggled with, like, making plays up front. Like, you know, the, the, the one guy on the team that has a dozen run stuffs is linebacker Alex Hart. You know, he has 12. Two other guys have 11, and then nobody else has more than seven. And they rank, you know, 93rd among linebackers in Havoc rate, which, again, if you're not familiar with it, it's just basically tackles for loss, forced fumbles, you know, interceptions, things like that. So they rank 93rd among their linebackers and 104th along the defensive line. So if they're going to have a prayer of winning this game, and conversely, if if Rashad Penny is going to get shut out of a Heisman invite, it's going to probably be because those guys up front are making more stops than they have been in the past. You know, maybe keep an eye on someone like Kene Okonkwo, who's come on and had a pretty nice season, I think, altogether. He doesn't have any sacks, but he does, I believe, lead the Lobos with six tackles for loss. So if he can get in there, if he can disrupt some plays, and if you know Penny gets off to a slow start, and the Lobos can jump out to a, like a seven nothing or fourteen to seven late or something like that, then it might make things more interesting. But I don't know that I would necessarily anticipate that.
1: So what do you think Lobos offense is going to do? Kind of slips around a little bit because they are not the Thorobos anymore. They just kind of ran last week, but. Uh, not kind of. They ran the ball pretty well last week, but oh yeah. What are they going to do against Aztec defense? That's really good. That's much better than UNLV. But are they going to throw a bit more? Are they just going to? What do you kind of expect they might be might do? Just stick with what worked last week because that would make the most sense. I mean, if
0: it were me, you know, you look at if you look at the offensive out, basically all the way through conference play you know their their performance last week against UNLV was more or less the best game they've had since they beat Air Force back in September. You know, they dropped 56 on Air Force and then if my math is right, they didn't score 56 points combined in the next 5 weeks before they dropped 35 last week. So I'm thinking like go back to what works because you know, we've seen San Diego State struggle at times against running games you know we haven't really seen it quite as often these days you know they're still you know number two in the conference in conference play in yards per carry allowed but you know if if you're New Mexico I think you, you had a lot of success against Air Force and against UNLV just shoving it right down their throat so why not stick with that
1: here's why it's not going to work okay the last three, and well I'll probably work at spurs but the last 3 games Aztecs rush defense 1.52 1.57 1.98 yards per play they they they've, they've, they've given up exactly 102 yards in the past 3 games combined Hawaii San Jose State and Nevada
0: yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting to watch. And I think a lot of it is going to hinge on how many explosive plays New Mexico is going to be able to create. Because if you listen to our recap, you you know that they came up with like a ton of long running plays. I think it was like 15 plays of 10 or more yards on the ground. And, and granted, I don't think that that's going to happen again. But, you know, if they can if they can go back to their ball control offense and they can break off like 10, 12 yard runs when they need to sometimes, if they could get maybe half that number, like seven or eight, you know, and stay on the field, maybe more importantly, keep Penny off the field as much as possible. That might be what gives them the best chance because I mean, we can't ignore that, you know, maybe the running game has been a little bit of a disappointment this year, but you know, the three guys at the head of the attack, um, you know, Tyrone Owens, Richard McCorley, Daryl Chestnut. Like if you look at what they've done when they've been able to get, you know, past the first level, you know, you look at something like highlight yards per opportunity, all three of those guys are over six yards per opportunity. So when they've had those chances, they've made them count. And that might be what you're looking for as a Lobos fan, is just making those finding those explosive plays the same way he did last week, and then trying to contain Penny as much as possible on the other hand.
1: So let me ask you this, because it's difficult to contain Penny. Um, do you see the line for this matchup? Are you familiar with what what it is? I Yes, I am. Are they going to cover that 20 and a half points? Lobos, I should say. Or, I mean, well, whoever. Like, that's a lot of points. It's basically three touchdowns.
0: I think – I don't think they will.
1: It's a lot of points. It is a lot of points. And there's times where we've seen Aztecs win – 21 7, but it feels like it's 50 to 0.
0: I'm kind of expecting San Diego State to I think they'll be able to win the turnover battle, first of all, because that's something that New Mexico's kind of struggled with all year long. Is you know, they've had a lot of fumbles, like four of the five guys who lead the team in in, in carries on the ground. Four of the five have at least four fumbles. The only guy that doesn't is Chestnut. So I think if San Diego State can create those opportunities, if they can tilt the field in their fumble, in their favor, get a little bit of fumble lock on their side, I feel like that's the kind of game where they're going to make New Mexico play the kind of game that they don't necessarily want to. And that's what I think is going to get this game out of hand pretty quickly.
1: I, I think that's the case as well. Really quick, just so you know, this is the second largest, I guess third largest over under Cal Davis was 35, whatever. But they are currently, in, even including that Cal Davis game, if you want to add that in there, they're three. They've won seven times against the spread, or I mean, <laughs> the covering the line. It's not bad. They've seven, three, and one, or seven and four. Sorry. Mm-hmm. So there's that. That's all, but this is also they did cover the line versus San Jose State and also Nevada last week. So I, I think I think it'll be Aztecs will win pretty handily but I don't know if they'll cover. I think it'd be like, it could be like 30 to 13 or something.
0: I think it's going to be something like 42 to 21, where it's going to be close.
1: That covers. Like, but, it, but it does cover. Yeah. 20, 20 and a half. Yeah. <laughs> All right, that's it. There you go. That's your uh, pick there. It's also, real quick, CBS Sports Network, if you're wondering, which I guess now if you, have, if you have DirecTV, you can stream it away from home on the app. So I've had luck with that the past month. So nice. there's an option to watch away from home. So especially there by traveling and – Busy family, or heck, if you're just hanging out in the waiting room for Black Friday while your uh, significant other or family shopping, you can hang out and watch some football. So, Mm -hmm. all right, next game um, Saturday you're going to be busy. There's a lot of games throughout the day. It's spread out, so you got to kind of pick and choose, or just watch for ten hours straight, which may work out for some of you. So, let's go with the Fremont Canyon since we talked about it before. UNLV at Nevada. This is a big game for the Rebels because bowl eligibility is on the line. They're five mm-hmm. and six. Win needs to be six and six. This game kicks out, what noon Pacific, if I'm correct on that. Yeah, noon Pacific. Yes. I said it's on AT and T Sportsnet. So if you can find the stream, good luck because sometimes it's not it's not easy to find, as you found out last week in one of these AT and T games. So this game, how is Nevada favored at? Is it because they're at home, or what's the deal with that? Well, what's the spread? Three for Nevada. <laughs>
0: That's basically home field advantage, yeah. It's more or less saying that they're even. But are they? That is a really good question because I feel like Nevada's gotten a lot better in the second half of the year. You know, they had some hiccups in in non-conference play that I don't think we need to really revisit so much. But, you know, the, the passing game has really begun to click. And, you know, we talk about... You know, Nick Stevens, we talk about Marcus McMarion being maybe one and two in the conference. But, you know, Ganji has really come on as of late. And when you consider, you know, quarterback rating in, in conference play, for instance, you know, he does have eight interceptions, which isn't great. But he's right there with Nick Stevens having thrown 19 touchdowns in conference play. And he's, you know, maybe a step or two behind Stevens and Ripon as far as quarterback rating is concerned. But I think if you're UNLV, there's the potential, I think, for, you know, Nevada to be able to air it out and to be able to connect on big plays where, you know, we saw last week, we've actually seen a lot of weeks where they want to stretch the field. They want their receivers to go up and get it. And, you know, they've thrown a lot as a result, but I think on the whole, it's kind of worked because they're number two in the conference as far as 20-yard pass plays, and they're number one as far as 30-yard pass plays. So if I'm a UNLV fan, that's kind of what I'm most concerned about, is being able to contain those big plays. Because if Nevada can, you know, chuck it deep, and if they can get a lead doing it, that, I think... Maybe knocks you and will be off their game because I think they want to run the ball. They want to not put too much in Armani Rodgers' hands. But if Ganji can step up his game and be a little more effective than he was in the second half of last week's game, you know, you're all of a sudden you're talking about the very serious chance of an upset.
1: There's a possibility because, like you said, they played the Rams. They played these teams very close lot of points. One thing that could be a little concerning, I guess, for let's just say Nevada gets out to it. 10 to 14 point lead. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they have the running game to be able to milk the lead. Like just run the, use the clock to their advantage. They don't like last week. They've had a couple games like air force. That was a pretty big rushing game, but they've had three games under two yards per attempt, multiple games under a hundred yards as a team. Last week for San Diego state, 34 yards, different game they had to the But if they get ahead, are they just going to keep throwing because they can't run it very well? And if you keep throwing, you make mistakes, you stop the clock, more chance, only bad things can happen. Like there's three things that can happen on a pass, and typically only one of them is good.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: uh, do you, if they get a lead, are they going to keep throwing just because it's working? Because most coaches, okay, let's run the ball, let's uh, take the clock with us, let's uh, not hand it off It's pretty simple basic play. I don't know if they can do that, if they get a lead or if they even want to.
0: I mean, I think – there's a really I, mean, I think that's just a really good question because I'm almost wondering what they're going to do if they get into too many third down situations because you know yes they they're on the whole they're in the middle of the pack I think they're seventh overall in the season and, and sixth within conference play but that's another instance where they've been really up and down as far as being able to move the chains like they moved it really well against Hawaii and San Jose State they were at fifty percent. And when they nearly pulled the ups against Colorado State, they were, you know, 7 of 16 in those games. But, you know, in the games that they've been a little less competitive, like, they lost to Air Force, I think, in part because they only converted 3 of 9. And they really struggled against, you know, Boise State and San Diego State. So, I'm almost wondering, you know, how much they're going to let Giengier win this game, especially by throwing the football. I wanted to look at what he's doing on third downs because I think on the whole that's something that is gonna have to contend with because he's been pretty good I think all things considered like if you stack the numbers against other Mountain west quarterbacks like his his accuracy maybe leaves something to be desired like he's only completing 58% of passes on third downs but I think that you know his rating you know the, the number of plays he's been able to make he's converted 35 first downs on 95 attempts I
1: think no fifty-five,
0: or Isn't that... fifty-five completions
1: rather. Oh, so oh, but no, ninety-five sorry. attempts. Ah, I missed that. Sorry, I wasn't reading properly.
0: So I think on the whole he's been passable, but that's like one of those really specific things. Like if if Nevada's in a third and eight, or third and seven, you know, if they get into those situations too many times, how many times is he going to be able to convert? Because I think how well he plays in those particular situations will determine a lot as to how this game will go.
1: Sure. But he's also made big plays on third and long. He has second most touchdowns of the conference on third down.
0: That's and true.
1: He's, and he's behind the quarterbacks you expect him to be, to be behind like Brett Rippin's ahead of him. Montauk, Kozart, very few attempts. That's a little deceiving there just because of 27 attempts, but Nick Stevens, Brett Ripon, even Drew Brown, that's not too surprising. He's ahead of him, but Everybody else behind him, like Josh Allen, Kent Myers, Christian Chapman, Montel Aaron, Jordan Love, they're all behind him. And so he's still making a good point, but he's just basically, what, slightly above average, I guess, at the, within the conference of converting that. Because he has, like he, I don't know, he's doing pretty well, I'd say. Rating's okay. He's basically where he's supposed to be, top quarter. And if you break, I don't, I don't know if I could break down further into conference play, but in conference play, he's been play, playing pretty good overall, but... I wish I could go deeper into that, but... Well, okay,
0: so if you're looking for one number, I think that kind of speaks to this entire thing we're talking about. If, if you're familiar with Football Study Hall, you'll you'll see how they break down you know offensive effectiveness and defensive effectiveness by down. And I think it's worth noting that on third downs, UNLV ranks 38th nationally. And I think that what we're talking about speaks to the fact that Ganji has been a significant part of that success.
1: And you mean, you, you at, mean Nevada, not UNLV? Or, yeah, excuse me. Okay. That's what we're doing. Um,
0: yeah, Nevada ranks 38th. And conversely, UNLV ranks 121st on defense on third down. Oh, boy. So so that's one of those things where one way or another, something's going to have to give. And I think a lot of that's going to depend on if UNLV can shut down that running game, force Ganji into third and seven or longer, how is he going to respond? Very true. It's a uh,
1: I... With that note of their of UNLV's defense being one twenty one and third down defensive stops, that's tough. I, I know this game's interesting because we've seen what Nevada can do. Like there's mm-hmm. there's after thinking about it, that's a decent reason they're a home favorite because they put us guarantee some pretty good teams. They just don't have the wins yet. I think if UNLV is going to win, they need to have Armani Rogers kind of do what he did last week, mm-hmm. or at least get close to. Because like we said, that was his best game of his career. He may not need to throw for as many yards as he did last week. What did he have? Like two, uh, two eleven looks like. Throw for one fifty. That's fine. Just go like ten of sixteen for one fifty, but still run for about a hundred yards as well. They mm-hmm. need to get him in. Um, the running ga- running backs. Um, uh, sorry, um, spacing. Sorry, uh, Lexington Thomas. I was thinking Charles Williams for a moment there, but you would think those two guys should combine for two hundred yards. That's reasonable, I think. Uh, maybe one eighty five, but. It's just a- they Have to run the ball pretty well. And Nevada's rush defense, we already gone through that. It's not great, but I don't. Here's my point Nevada's going to win if Ty Ganji has a great game. I think that's what it's going to come down to. And it might be a game where if you is going to win, they have more ways to win than Nevada has ways to win. UNOV can lean on the running game the whole whole time, just hand the ball off, hand the ball off, and let Rodgers get 10, 20, 50, 60 yards. Nevada can't, typically not this year, is not able to run extremely well. Maybe it gets its rebel defense, but. I might give, I'll might i give the answer to UNLV because they have multiple ways to win. Nevada has, like, one way to win.
0: I think you're probably right. But, I mean, you know, among all the, th- the other things we talked about, one thing that we haven't really discussed is the fact that even if Nevada throws the ball a lot, which obviously they probably will, UNLV hasn't been great about creating turnovers. So even if Nevada throws it 45, 50 times... You know, there's only two guys on the team, Chauncey Sism and Javin White, who have two interceptions. And you know, as a unit, the defensive backs rank 122nd and have it great. So teams have been able to to make you know make a little bit of headway against the secondary. So that's another one of those things where it's like strength against weakness. And you know, if if Gangie can can exploit that and if his receivers can get open deep, I think. That's, you know, that could put UNLV at a serious disadvantage where you can only run for so long and then you have to put it in Armani Rodgers' hands. And, you know, last week was probably his best game of throwing the ball, but he still completed only 52% of his passes.
1: So are you taking that? What's your prediction?
0: I do like UNLV in this game because I think the offense will be able to hang on to the ball long enough to be able to offset whatever big plays Nevada will create, so I'm expecting a back and forth game. I'm expecting a lot of points to be sure, but I think UNLV. Honestly, I mean it's it's a three point spread. I'm kind of expecting it to be a push because I'm I'm looking for a 38 to 35 Rebels win.
1: I think UNLV is going to win, but I think there'll be a lot of points. I'm going to go a little bit different, not too much. I'm going to go like 34 30 for UNLV. All right. All right, let's move on to the next game. If we go chronological order, we have Wyoming at San Jose State. Um, do we have to talk about this game that's on ESPN3? A little bit. Okay. <laughs> Actually, hold on. We, we missed something real quick. We need to discuss something really quick. UNLV Nevada. We forgot to go over the bowl stuff really quick. Oh, okay. And it'll be quick this time. We're not going to do what we did last week. But here's what it comes down to. Rebels 5 and 6. There are 68 bowl, LL, bowl slots to be filled. Or, no, excuse me, 78. 78, sorry. 70 teams are Bull eligible at the moment. So, if Rebels make it. So, I think it's pretty safe. Some people aren't too happy about it, or not too, or too, uh, not happy, but uh, still concerned they may be left out. Because there's basically, if you're a Rebel fan, any team that has five wins, you want them to lose. So, like, Ole Miss has five wins. Uh, Was it Texas Tech has uh, five wins? Uh, buffalo has five wins teams like that have like five wins so that's what it comes down to you want every team of five wins to lose
0: yeah and i mean with the with the bull tie-ins that the mountain west that they have um and i'm talking about the the secondary ones the cactus bowl frisco bowl and the foster
1: farms bowl frisco is technically at large but it's still a decent spot for them to land
0: so, I mean, if you're thinking about the Foster Farms, if you're thinking about the Cactus Bowl, for whether you're a UNLV fan or any other fan, Texas Tech at Texas this weekend. Keep an eye on that. Root for the Longhorns. And then in the Pac-12, you're basically... Well, two of those teams are going to get to 6-6 six because six Cal and UCLA play each other. Colorado and Utah play each other. But, you know, if you want to look at the, the Big Ten, you, you want to root for wisconsin this weekend as well because they play minnesota for paul bunyan's axe that's a good one gophers are five and six you want them to lose
1: well also that'll get the big Ten two teams likely into the big money bowl games and create an extra spot at the bottom
0: yeah and you know for the frisco bowl i believe it also mentions that you know they can tap the mac or anything like that so if you're looking for mac teams to root against this weekend buffalo buffalo's five and six they're home versus Ohio, so you're going to root for the Bobcats. And Ohio and, is pretty good at 8. Ohio so. is pretty good, yeah. And as far as Conference USA is concerned, the only teams that are at 5 and 6, you're looking at Middle Tennessee. I'm trying to pull open the tab right now. You have Old Dominion at 5 and 6, and you have Louisiana Tech at 5 and 6. So Middle Tennessee is – oh, they play Old Dominion, so one of those teams is going to get to five, to 6 and 6. So here's mm-hmm. a quick
1: thing. You know, it's pretty cool. Command F on your computer. That's a pretty mm-hmm. cool trick to use. So I, just to break, make it quicker. There are 21 five and six teams currently. Mm-hmm. Some well, not to just some play each other. So there are 21 teams looking to become bowl eligible this weekend. That would put it way over the slot. but that's clearly not the case because a handful play each other. Just um, like Purdue, Minnesota, like the so Old Dominion, Middle Tennessee play each other, Law Tech. There's 21 teams with five wins right now, so keep an eye on that. Okay. And then you you made a note, too, about Air Force. They could be uh, maybe maybe a bowl game. Maybe. We'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit. All right, let's get back to this next game I don't really want to talk about, but we will, I guess. Wyoming, San Jose State. Um, I don't have any facts on this, but I'm thinking I need to look uh, over at Brandon Foster and he does at Trib.com. But I'm assuming um, Josh Allen's season might be done.
0: I would kind of guess so, but, you know, what's going to be really interesting, I think, about this game is, like, we know San Jose State has defensive
1: struggles, especially. You're being too kind.
0: I mean, I, I don't want to be too mean, you know what I mean? But I think what's really interesting about this matchup is that, you know, obviously the Wyoming offense struggled last week versus Fresno State, You know, they struggled to run the ball. They struggled to throw the ball for about three and a half quarters. But what are they going to be able to do really against San Jose State? I think that is something worth watching because, you know, obviously someone like Frank Ginda, for instance, who's now the Mountain West's all-time single season leader in tackles. You know, he's probably going to be out there getting like another dozen tackles or anything like that. But are we sure Wyoming is going to be able to get the
1: running game going? No, they haven't all year.
0: Like and are we sure that Nick Smith is going to be able to throw the ball sooner than 5 minutes left in the game?
1: Are you um leaning toward a stupid upset pick here? No, because
0: I think that Wyoming's going to have the advantage on defense. You know, we know that San Jose State they were a little better about avoiding turnovers last week against Colorado State, but you know, they they went down the field and scored a touchdown and then gave up, you know, four straight touchdowns after that. So I'm kind of thinking they'll probably struggle with turnovers here again today. And I think that, you know, obviously Wyoming's defense is going to be motivated after getting pushed around a little bit last week. Um, And and really, you know, they didn't make too many mistakes, but the the, the one or two mistakes they made were all the difference. And so I think you're you're going to get a motivated Cowboys team for sure. And that's probably to San Jose State's detriment if we're being totally honest.
1: I just think... I don't think San Jose State would be able to score. This defense is the pretty much not the they're the best defense in the conference, essentially. They're up there. They're really, really good. Fresno's really good, San Diego State's good, but Wyoming's up there as being one of the best defenses. They're best in uh, yards per play allowed. They turn the ball over, they get to the quarterback, and the running game for San Jose State hasn't really gotten much better than the uh one big play run where the guy danced after being he scored that touchdown, that 50, the impressive fifty-plus yarder. But then dance is crazy in the end when they're down forty-two to thirteen or something. He's like, "Come on, get it together." I just think this will be like San Jose State might score ten points if we're lucky. Yeah, and that I mean, might that might be too high.
0: I mean, if they're going to do anything, they're going to have to get off to a faster start because you know if you look at Montel Aaron for instance, like the only quarterback. Actually, as far as current starting quarterbacks are concerned, you know, by quarterback ratings in the first quarter, he's been the worst. You know, he only he's the only quarterback in the conference who's completed less than 50% of his passes. You know, his quarterback rating is under 100 in the first quarter. And, you know, at some point, probably next year, if we're being totally honest, it's going to get better. But, you know, if they want to have a chance in this game, they just have to get off to a faster start. Like, they just can't afford to get bogged down because the defense is shaky enough where, you know, even with Wyoming's weaknesses, they still might be able to make something of it.
1: Well, Aaron has shown some stuff early in the season, but since he came back from injury, he hasn't been the same guy. Yeah. And so, like, he was getting the end zone. He's clearly better than Josh Love, but... I don't have any confidence he'll do anything special in this game because how good the Cowboys offense or defense is. So if the Cowboys defense get a strip sack, get a just third and long or three and outs multiple times, long, long yardage situations. And if he already starts off slow, why would that change against the, probably the best defense they faced all year, right up there? One of the best defenses all year.
0: I guess we'll find out.
1: So it's a 20 point line. What do you expect to happen?
0: I mean, I'm not expecting Wyoming to blow them away, especially if Allen's not playing. So I would take the Spartans to cover that spread. But I'm thinking it'll probably be like 20 to 3 or something like that.
1: Here's what uh, TeamRankings.com and NumberFire have. They have it um, 35-13 and 34-14. That's
0: interesting.
1: Over-under is 48 and a half. I'm Hmm. thinking like 30 to 10 or 30 to 7, something like that range. All right. And also, just a quick note, I, get, I need to do a little piece on this, but after Saturday's game, which I, I must have missed his tidbit, Craig Bull does not expect Josh Allen back next year. Not a surprise, but he's actually said that. So there's that as well. So I don't know about a bull game because AC joint can be out for a while with a throwing shoulder. So I guess Wyoming's hope is for if he's going to play in their bull game, I'm having Allen. Uh, or having the Cowboys play like a later bowl game, like the Arizona Bowl, or maybe even the Cactus Bowl, mm-hmm. some some post Christmas bowl. Yeah. So that's the kind of the only way we have figure that out. So, um, what do we got next? What do we? Uh, is it Boise time? It Boise time. Let's
0: let's talk milk can.
1: Milk can. Uh, the milk can. Excellent. So, are you, you're at this game, correct?
0: Uh, I am planning on being there. Yes.
1: So. First off, it's a one thirty cake, or 12.30 Pacific, 130, uh for my time, out in time, Boise fan time. Again, Black Friday afternoon, do your thing, if you're shopping or whatever. <laughs> mm-hmm. CBS Sports Network, the line is a touchdown favorite for Boise State. How do you feel about that? I think that sounds about right. So you think Boise's a touchdown road favorite better than your beloved um, Bulldogs?
0: I mean, I think that with the offensive prowess that they've showed, especially in the last month or so, You know, we kind of know what Fresno's offense is like at this point. Like, they aren't necessarily flashy. They won't beat you that often with explosive plays. But that doesn't mean that they can't create explosive plays. You know, they've basically been kind of like a ball control and defense kind of team where we know what their strengths are. They're really good, you know, trying to push the ball down the field on first downs. They really struggle on third downs. You know, the running game is steady but not spectacular. And, you know, when you compare that to what Boise's done, you know, Brett Ripon has basically been the best quarterback in the conference over the past month. But, you know, neither of these teams make a lot of mistakes. I think the difference is, you know, when you get down to how many big plays both of them create, I think Boise has an edge there. So that's why it doesn't surprise me that they're a favorite.
1: Okay, so this matchup, like I said, seven point favorites. Boy, she's figured out their quarterback situation, playing um, Brett Ribbon more than Montel Cozart. Is this defense going to shut down? The Fresno defense, I should say. Are they going to slow down the passing attack that's been so potent? Because Fresno's defense is way better than it has been the past couple years. They've been stopping everybody this year. So what what do you think? Because yards per game, yards per play, they're right up there, number one, number two. They. They're, they're just overall good defensively. Are they going? What are they going to do to Boise State, who with Alexander Madison and Brett Ripon's emergence? What do you see them? Maybe um, what are they going to do? Are they going to stop it? Are they going to slow it down?
0: See that I think is where, like you're saying, you're you really talking about strength versus strength because yeah. you know if you look at if you look at standard downs, for instance, on on defense, I think that Boise State might have a little bit of an advantage because, you know, in, in passing situations or just being able to pass the ball, for instance. You know, on defense, Fresno is right around the middle of the pack as far as slowing down passing games. But if you look at what offense has done, or Boise's offense has done, rather, by, you know, s plus by success rate, just being able to throw the ball, you know, they rank 26th in both passing S P plus and passing success rate, and I think a lot of that has to do with just how successful Rippen's been in the past month. You know, if you look at what he's done in three November games, for instance, I'm trying to pull up the numbers right here. You know, he's got nine touchdowns in the last three games against just one interception. And he's completing, you know, he has you know nearly 10 yards every attempt. And it's not as though they haven't been shy about throwing it, too, because he's averaging 30 attempts in the last three weeks. So this will be the biggest test, like a different kind of test than Fresno State has faced in a while because, you know, Wyoming without Josh Allen, not really a threat to pass. Hawaii without John Ursula, not really a threat to pass. BYU without Tanner Mangum, not really a threat to pass. Like, the the closest analog might be the Nevada game, but even then they caught Nevada at a really bad time. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, I think that this secondary, which make no mistake has been very good. You know, um, the, the, the young guys back there have, have come together in a way that I didn't necessarily anticipate coming into the year. And Juju Hughes, Mike Bell, Jaron Bryant can all absolutely make rip and pay for any mistakes he might make. But I think in the, in this particular instance, that's a big if because nobody in the conference is playing quarterback better right now than rippon is.
1: He, you are correct. The past couple weeks. So it's, uh, It'll be interesting. So, if Rippen keeps going, it's just going to make the offense... Because the offense... You could argue this offense, Boise State, and what maybe Nevada are the best two offenses the past three weeks, past month, I would say. Mm -hmm. The way they've been playing. The only difference, Boise has a guy like Alexander Madison, who I know he had a bad game last week against Air Force, but if he gets going, gets back over 100 yards, or if he can, like what, what, what would Fresno... What would you think Fresno would rather want to do? Would they be okay with... Ripon throwing the ball a lot or Madison running for a lot of yardage? Because I would think it's going to be very hard to stop both. Maybe they can, but you would think with what Boise has offensively, one of the two is going to break through at minimum for maybe a couple big plays here and there to boost that yardage. So where do you think would be, what would Fresno rather have Boise do throw well or run well?
0: I mean, honestly, I think they would have them run well because I don't know that they necessarily want Ripon to, to pick them apart. But I think what's going to happen is Boise's going to have a really tough time running the football because if Fresno State's been really good at one thing, it's been shutting down the run. And I don't think that you know Boise is going to be able to do much better on the ground than they did, for instance, against Wyoming or against Utah State, where you know if you go back to those two games, they ran the ball 43 and 45 times respectively, and they averaged under four yards a carry. So I think if, if you're looking for anything – you know, is Fresno State going to be able to make Boise one-dimensional? I'm kind of thinking they will. I think they're going to be able to stop Madison, but then that leads back to the big question that you and I are talking about. Are they going to be able to slow down Ripon?
1: Yeah, him and Cedric Wilson back there. Yeah. It'll be difficult. So let's go to – um, it's, it's kind of like pick your poison sort of. I think you're right. I think they'd rather have Madison run a bit better than Ripon throw much better. Because I also don't think they're gonna have rip and throw forty five times. Because they're gonna bring in Cozart just enough where he'll get what half a dozen snaps to take those passing attempts away. But if we go to Fresno's of offense, they've been they haven't been amazing. But like what Marcus McMarion has been doing the past while since he's been a starter, he's one of the very few uh, grad transfers that that's actually done something positively. Where do you see like? Fresh nose, they've just been mostly. Am I right? It's mostly been defense. What you think they've been winning on? Are they going to be able to score if this gets out of hand, like thirty plus points?
0: See, that I think is a very good question because you know one of the things that has made Boise very successful this year is they've been able to create a lot of turnovers, and especially in the last few weeks, you know they're right there among the league leaders in the conference. You know they're third with twenty-one takeaways. That's pretty good. But, you know, these teams, I think, are kind of mirror images in, of, of one another on offense and that neither of them make very many mistakes. You know, in, in conference play, Fresno's only given it up eight times, and they've only thrown three interceptions, which to me, you know, is a credit to McMarion. Like, you know, the two interceptions that he threw against Hawaii were due in part to the fact that he was, you know, his hand was nicked up, and that may have played a part in a little bit, of a couple of errant throws last week in Wyoming, but I'm kind of expecting he'll be back to 100%. So I think if if Boise is expecting to be able to create turnovers in the same way that they have in the last month especially, I don't know that that's necessarily going to be the case because, you know, Fresno has a running game especially where you know they have the three-headed attack of Jordan Mims, Josh Hokett, Ronnie Rivers. They're not going to blow you away with big plays on the ground. Like, none of those three guys average even four highlight yards per opportunity. So they don't get to the second level that often. But, you know, the one thing that I keep looking at when I keep thinking about this matchup is the fact that they don't get pushed back very often either. Like they're, they're 129th as far as like rushing explosiveness, but they're third in stuff rate, which means even if they're getting only minimal yardage, they're still moving forward. And so my guess is they're going to lean really heavily on the running game in the same way that they have been for basically the last month, where it's essentially two out of every three plays has been a running play. You know, to me, the question is, you know, is Boise going to continue to play stout run defense? Because for as good as Fresno's front four has been, Boise's has been just as good. You know, they're right there actually leading the conference now in terms of uh, yards per carry allowed. And... You know, they're a shade behind them when you just look at conference play. But you're talking about two really strong run defenses. So, you know, on the one hand, we have the question of, are they going to be able to contain Brett Rippon? For Fresno, I think the question is, is their third down offense going to get better? Because if they get, you know, third and five, third and six, you know, I've, I've talked about the numbers pretty much, you know, for the last six weeks or something like that. Because McMarion just hasn't been very good throwing the ball on third downs. And, you know, last week some of that was due to a couple of really tough drops that, that receivers had. But he's basically still been the worst quarterback in the conference trying to throw the ball on third downs. So I think you know when you compare that to what Rippon has done in those same situations, that's a huge advantage to Boise as well. I don't necessarily think that that precludes him from, from converting more of those opportunities that he has in weeks past. But that's like the biggest show me something that this offense has at this point, because, you know, the running game, you know, they're, they're going to basically play their game. They're not going to get very many explosive plays, but if they get into third and five, third and six, they're going to have to convert those plays in a way that they weren't in weeks past.
1: So if they're going to, is that how they're going to win? Is it that they they're over say 40% on third down conversion, whether it's passing or running.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think they're going to have to string together long drives against this defense, which, you know, easier said than done, right? Because one of the things that also stands out to me is that both defenses hang pretty tough as far as being able to start with really good field position. Like on, on defense, Fresno State ranks 34th as far as average starting field position for opponents, and Boise's right inside the top 50. There's really not a lot of difference between the two, so I think whoever strings together more, I don't know, twelve play, seventy yard drives, and more importantly can punch it in for six points, you know. I think that's gonna be easier said than done on both sides of the ball. But whoever has the edge in that case is probably gonna win the game.
1: All right, so let me here's a very important question because we know these teams are playing this week and next week. And well, technically there's gotta be a lot of shenanigans to go down if Boise State, I guess technically no, but Boise has in the driver's seat to get to a New Year's Six game because you they basically basically it's gonna come down to this: you need Memphis to lose this week, but then also win the uh, conference title in the American. That's that's kind of like the only scenario I really see them getting in there because UCF USF winner is gonna be ranked high, even though UCF USF is not ranked, they'll probably jump Boise. I mean, would that be safe to say? No, you don't think so. I think
0: if they were going to be in the top top 25, they would have been there right now. Because one of the things that the committee always talks about is strength of schedule. And when you look at South Florida, who have they beaten this year? Uh, So I think even if... San Jose
1: State. San Jose State. They beat them.
0: So here's why I think Fresno State is going to get Boise's best shot. Because both of those teams, UCF, Memphis... Actually, I should say all three of those teams. UCF... South Florida, Memphis, all three of those games take place before Boise takes the field in Fresno. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if they wake up in the morning and South Florida has beaten us UCF, that means the Knights are not in the American championship game. It means the bulls are, but I don't necessarily think that beating central Florida at that point is going to enable Boise is going to enable them to jump Boise in the standings. But because I think it because I think if Boise beats Fresno, they're gonna climb a couple of spots. You
1: think so? And
0: I think so. And I think that, you know, there are other games where you know, if Notre Dame beats Stanford, for instance, Stanford's ranked twenty second, Boise's probably gonna jump them. If Washington State can beat Washington, for instance, they're probably gonna jump the Huskies. If Illinois can pull an upset on Northwestern, you know, you look at those teams uh, Texas, like in the, A&M, in the, in the 20s, LSU yeah. as well. Yeah, so I mean, you look at those teams in the twenties; they could probably jump, they could probably move up one or two spots if they can beat a quality opponent like Fresno State. And granted, you know, the biggest stretch here is you look at that Memphis game; they host East Carolina.
1: Oh boy, East Carolina is trash. Do you want to know the line for that game?
0: I do. Yeah, sure.
1: Twenty-eight points for Memphis.
0: So (laughs) it's the it's a long shot, admittedly.
1: Well, let me ask you this then, because you brought up a good point. So, if South Florida beats UCF, South Florida is probably going to be ranked, I would assume.
0: I I would say yes, but I think that they would be ranked behind Boise, assuming that the Broncos beat the Bulldogs.
1: Let's okay. Let's say Boise wins and they go to uh, what are they? Tw- I have the last. Uh,
0: They're ten they- and two.
1: So I'm looking at the ranking. Do they have the current ones up yet? Yeah, they do. Boise's twenty three right now. Mm-hmm. So they could be. Let's just say twenty one. I think it's possible. Um so USF would be ranked but behind Boise State. Is that mm-hmm. that's I think fair to say. So then if we have the title game of Memphis versus South Florida, if South Florida wins, they're probably gonna jump Boise State, right? Maybe. If they beat a top twenty Memphis team who's maybe nineteen.
0: See that, that I think is what maybe puts <laughs> Boise in a tough situation because how much credit are they gonna get if they beat Fresno twice? But I don't think that necessarily precludes them from giving the Bulldogs their best shot now. Like I don't think they're going to rest their starters or anything like that. Because if there's even an outside chance that things can break their way, I think they're going to put their pedal to the metal, and I think they're going to give Fresno State everything they can handle.
1: Okay, now let's go to that's a good point. I I didn't think about. I just kind of figured USF might jump them because he beat a good opponent. But one opponent doesn't make a season. I guess that's what you say. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. That's a good point. I think they'll be ranked. But no, you make some good points. So they're still I, – basically, I don't know. We'll see. I just – so I'm ask you one more question then. So, so I think – did I just ask you if South Florida beat Memphis? Would that jump Boise?
0: That is the toughest question to answer.
1: Did I ask you that already or not? I just you, forgot. You did. You did. <laughs> okay, yeah. sorry. I apologize. I was, I was opening up another tab. I'm like, did I ask that? But next question here, next thing real quick, we'll get to our re- our actual prediction here momentarily, but – if there's a tie, not a tie, but um, they're in separate divisions. And so the re- – re- re- I don't know if I can speak. <laughs> to host home field advantage, you have to be ranked in the playoff pool. Right now, Boise is uh, scheduled to host. Mm-hmm. If Fresno beats Boise, Boise is going to be out of the rankings. I'm pretty confident of that with being yes. 23. So right now, the way they decide tiebreaker, not head-to-head, which is dumb. I just think that's stupid. I get the point because you want to protect your better team to maybe get to the Festival or Sugar Bowl or Peach Bowl or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, right now, they use the old BCS computer formulas if no team is ranked in the playoff pool. Right now, it's the Sagarin, Anderson Hester, Billingsley, Collie Matrix, Macy, and Dr. Peter Wolf. So, they average the ranking of each computer rank rating and then average those numbers overall. Not the computer number, but the placement number. So right now, Boise is twenty-five point five. Fresno State's fifty. You contend before the show, and as I probably do now, a Boise loss probably still means they're hosting. Yes, because that's a huge gap to make up. Because mm-hmm. out of all the rate, out of all these ratings, the closest one or the highest rated for, for Fresno is thirty-eighth in the League rankings. Everything else is, I believe, fifty or below, or forty or below. Excuse me. So I pack your bags of Boise, I guess. Is that why the Broncos announced uh, you could buy tickets already as soon as they announced they were in the title game?
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't blame them for that. I just kind of assumed that it would be
1: all along. <laughs> okay, it's just interesting that if you lose and that happens. but so back to the game itself and we'll do some articles on the on the uh, predict, predictions and the uh, playoff uh, computer rating rating who's gonna host and all that fun stuff. So he taken in this game. Who th- are you taking?
0: I think it's going to be a really low-scoring game. But I think the Boise is going to be able to do just enough on offense to keep Fresno State at arm's length. So, you know, what was this? It was 7, right?
1: It's 7. Over-under is 48 and a half.
0: I mean, I would definitely take the under if it were me. I'm kind of thinking it will be a push, which kind of sounds like a cop-out. No. But, but I like the Broncos winning
1: 21 14. 20. So all touchdowns.
0: Yeah.
1: Your, our score is almost the same. I'm going to go 20 to 13 because I think there'll be a couple field goals. Because both defenses are pretty good and it's not going to all be touchdowns. I think the one key difference we haven't even touched on is special teams where I think Boise has the edge and the return game could be where maybe they get the uh, better uh, starting field position throughout the game, whether it's one big kick or it's like a uh, somehow flip of the field real quick, or the, uh, or I guess that's the same thing, but kick after kick. Say there's a exchange of three and outs where, say, Boise gets a decent return one point, but then they keep pushing back and back. Then one point they're actually on the other side of the field after a kick. I think it's going to be some sort of field position where Boise, that's the edge why they're going to win. It may not be a special teams touchdown, but it'll be some sort of field position advantage fans Boise gets. We'll put them over the edge.
0: See, it's interesting that you think that because, yeah, you could maybe make the argument that, you know, as far as their return weapons are a little bit better. But I think if it comes down to it, I would rather put my money on Jimmy Camacho for Fresno State than I would on Hayden Hogarth. Because, you know, Hogarth is 15 and 17, but, you know, Camacho is 19 of 23 and he's – I'm trying to remember exactly how many 40-yard field goals or uh, field goals of 40 yards or more that he's hit in the last month. And I know it's at least like three or four. So you know, if it comes down to it, and it's a close game late, and they need a 45-yard field goal, you know, if it were me, I would have more confidence in Fresno State in that situation than I would in Boise. But I guess we'll
1: find out. I was also referring to more Avery Williams, who has two touchdowns on kicker re- to punt returns. So that's true. We'll yeah. see. It, it'll be interesting. But I got. I guess we both got Boise winning. Let's move on to the next set of games. We got two more here. Uh, we have a. Uh, let's see. Oh, sorry. Non-conference game. That's interesting. Utah B- or B- BYU start, one last time. Uh, one last time. So they're thank, playing at Hawaii. Goodness. Yeah, fine. Thank goodness. For <laughs> formal rival of the these teams, uh, BYU versus Hawaii. Back in the old, old whack days. At the island, it's uh what is it three PM in Hawaii? Is that right? I think. Yeah. Seven PM mountain yes. time for me. So it's on CBS Sports Network, so you can watch the game. Um BYU's a road favorites by a touchdown or by excuse me, three points somehow what that's interesting they're down to like their four-string quarterback who was it critchlow joe critchlow it's i don't know why they're favored i it makes no sense they've been terrible they beat unlv they lost to you know BYU lost to the university of massachusetts last week pretty badly at home hey you know
0: what let's just say umass was due
1: <laughs> they were due like seriously. seriously
0: seriously, like if you look at their schedule, they played so many close games this year. It was really only a matter of time.
1: Yeah, they played what Mississippi State pretty close. They played Hawaii close, so they didn't play a lot of teams close. Uh I don't I like like with we already know what's to deal what's to deal with Hawaii. They Dice we what else what else are we gonna say? Dice State Juice runs the ball well. They found no receiver to come up for John Erster, who's been out for half the season. What does Hawaii have to do to win this game? Because BYU's offense is bad. They have a somewhat of a running game, but they have no receiving game to speak of. They're down to their four string quarterback. I think is making it it's the second start. Because last week was or two weeks ago it was at UNLV. That's it's, it's in the end of season, it's out Hawaii, you've got no bowl game in sight. Is this not a trap game, but a game like that BYU doesn't care about because hey, we're in Hawaii, maybe they'll get to go to the beach on Friday morning or something. I don't know.
0: See, I mean they're going to have to find an answer on offense. Which team? And Hawaii. <laughs>
1: okay. Because, sure.
0: because yeah, St. Just runs well, but like, if you look at the offense as a whole, especially in the last month, they've basically been dead in the water, you know, in, in three November games, like, you know, they're dead last as far as yards per play on offense. You know, they're, you know, it's not that much of a difference between them and air force and San Jose state but obviously that's like a far cry from where this offense was when they were you know going toe to toe with like UCLA and and trading punches with UMass themselves back in August and September. So, you know, this offense has fallen off really badly, and a lot of that I think comes down to Drew Brown. You know, he hasn't quite had the same level of explosiveness since losing Arsua than than he did earlier in the year. And you know, I feel like I repeat myself every time I talk about him. But, you know, at some point you, you have to come up with something. And I think if you're going to be able to create big plays, you know, it sounds cliche to say this is like the last time they're going to be able to do it. But, you know, they only have four passes of more than 20 yards in the month of November, which is way lower than I think you would have thought it was coming into the year. So I think... If you're Hawaii, you might as well just kind of go for it and try and air it out, and get your guys to stretch the field, you know, because Colley's going to be able to get, you know, probably six catches, eighty yards, something like that. But who's going to be that number two guy who can step up and create plays? I think if you're the Warriors, that's kind of what you're looking for in this game.
1: You know who might step up in this game? Who's that? Do you know um, Dylan Colley? His former school? Uh, is it BYU? Yes, it is. Do you know who his brother is?
0: Uh, I believe it is Austin Colley.
1: Yeah, former Colt, pretty good at BYU. So maybe there's... I know it's been a couple years, but maybe he comes out big and um, has a big game against his former team. Got some um, animosity toward them, possibly? Maybe?
0: Maybe. I mean, I, I kind of wonder, like, if Hawaii is going to be able to give longer looks to some of the younger guys. Because... You know, you look at someone, uh, you look at someone like Komoku Noah, for instance. You know, he only has 11 targets on the air, only has eight catches, but he's kind of started to play his way into a role a little bit. Like, he scored his first touchdown against Fresno State a couple of weeks ago. And so I wonder, like, if they give someone like him more of a chance to see what he can do. Or, you know, if they let Cade Greeley, the freshman tight end, for instance, you know, he, he has two touchdowns on the year, but the tight end position has been fairly quiet, I think, more than you might have expected it to. So I'm, I'm kind of wondering if you start to see those young guys get a little more action just to try and have an eye toward next year.
1: Possibly. That could make sense because there's not much on the line. You still want to win, but you don't want to have one game ruin or maybe make a guy transfer or something because uh, I'm putting this young guy in over you, but why not play? See how it goes for the first half, essentially. And then maybe mix in. It's like, a, maybe it's a rotational thing. Like get the tight end in there, get this running back in there, get this wide receiver in there, a play here, here linebacker might as well. Like give them a, what half a dozen snaps at least something. Mm-hmm. Just get them some actual game film. That's not practice or scout team stuff. So that could be the case. But honestly, it's like, I gotta go Hawaii. I've seen BYU enough. Like they have no, we've mentioned a million times. They have one one pass catcher. They're down to their fourth quarterback. Unless they do what they did versus UNLV and run the ball well, I don't see how they're gonna beat Hawaii. Because I think Drew Brown can get it done this week, and Dyson Beckett St. Juice will run against this uh, Cougars uh, front seven.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think you're right. Like they're they're probably gonna be able to have some success on the ground against this Hawaii defense. You know, squally Canada's head. You know, maybe not the year some people expected, but he is averaging nearly six yards carry, which is pretty nice. So, you know, if he can get 100 yards, I think that'll keep the Cougars in this game. But I think the lack of a passing game is really going to be what does them in. So, you know, Hawaii may not be able to create a lot of turnovers. That's not kind of what I'm expecting. But, you know, this might be a little bit of a punt fest early on, but I kind of expect St. Just to have a big game and to be the real difference is kind of the best player on the field.
1: So what's your score prediction?
0: Uh, I'm going to say Hawaii wins and I'm going to say 21, 21 14.
1: That's it. Just 35 total points. Mm-hmm. You're not going to get to 30 plus against this bad defense. Mm, I guess I'll go I'm mean, take a quick look here at the over under so I tried to stall for a second. Did not work too well. Uh oh, hmm. It's oh, we have a lot of forty-eight point over unders here. I am mm-hmm. <laughs> going to twenty-eight, thirteen for Hawaii. All right, let's do the final wonder here, really quick. We got to wrap this up because it's time to get going. Get okay, Utah State Air Force. Um Aggies would seven wins would um, basically would one hundred percent guarantee them a bowl game no matter what. Mm-hmm. It's a ESPN two game eight fifteen local time there. It just depends. Um, is Lawan Hunt going to show up? I think it's switch quarterbacks again. Uh, I don't know. Air Force technically has a shot in the bowl game because they're a bunch of smarty pants with the APR. And really quick, Air Force is a two-point home favorite.
0: I mean, I think if you're Utah State, you're kind of encouraged by, you know, I think obviously you have to be encouraged by last week's performance. And I feel like, you know, we've talked a lot about, you know, is Utah going to be able to create explosive plays? You know, some instances in conference play, they've been able to. And when they've been able to, they've often won big. You know, and you look at last week versus Hawaii, you look at the road game against UNLV, where they came back with a really strong second half. And when you look at, you know, Air Force's defense, they basically got taken apart by Boise State last weekend. And so I feel like this matchup is maybe a little more lopsided than it might have looked like a month ago. Because, you know, Utah State has shown that they can beat vulnerable defenses. And when you look at what Air Force has done, you know, they're kind of near the bottom of the conference on the season as far as yards per play allowed. They're right there at 6.62, which is next to last. And, you know, they're, that goes above seven when you just look at conference play. To me, that is a significant advantage for Utah State because we've seen them what they can do versus like, you know, teams that struggle on defense or teams that just struggle, period. And when you look at the Aggies total offense, that kind of bears it out. Against teams with winning records, they only they only have four point two yards per play. But against teams with non winning records, of which Air Force has one, they're up above six yards of play. So, to me, this speaks volumes to the kind of things that LaVon Hunt and Jordan Love, who I'm assuming is probably the starter at
1: this point, yeah,
0: what those two could do.
1: So, one thing also you mentioned, you assume the um, starter, what flipped Air Force real quick? Is it Worthman or Romine this week?
0: That is an excellent question.
1: That We still don't really have a good explanation to why they made the change last week from Worthman to Nate Romine. It apparently was disastrous because he didn't play very well they didn't win last week i why would why, what's the point like were they trying to make a shakeup last week what why would they switch to a guy they wanted a guy who could throw a bit better i don't know it just seems like a weird move and going into this week it's still something uh oh uh we i have i should have looked at this beforehand i'm what's currently, that? i'm re, i'm on the front page of the gazette colorado springs gazette so we got some news here okay Arian Worthman still out. Nate Romine has. You want to fill in the blank for me? Do you know?
0: Oh. Broken collarbone.
1: Surgery for a broken collarbone.
0: Yeah, I went to double check the depth chart for this game. Arian okay. Worthman is listed as quarterback one, but Isaiah Sanders, the you know, six foot two sophomore, is now listed as the backup. And Mike Schmidt, not the baseball player. Oh, good. Now <laughs> that, that would be weird. Um, no, Mike Schmidt, uh, another sophomore, 6'3", 210. He's listed as the third-string guy.
1: Right here it says Sanders is projected to start if it's him.
0: That'll be interesting.
1: Okay, XF extra information here. Junior, um, Worthman Peral had a knee injury suffering against Wyoming that they did not mention to why he didn't play last week. Oh, okay. So yeah, sophomore Zay Sanders took first team reps, and then he had Schmidt and uh, Donald Hamid the third backing them up. So Utah State victory now. See, it, I mean
0: that makes it like a super unknown because like we might have said the same thing last year once Romine went down with his injury and Worthman came in probably and more or less took over. So. You know, without knowing anything about Sanders off the top of my head, I would have a little bit of trepidation. But, you know, what it really comes down to to me is like, don't shoot yourself in the foot. Because last week against Boise State, they basically got buried in the first quarter and it was done within like 10 minutes. So if Sanders can come in and, you know, not necessarily bear a lot of responsibility. You know, this is still a team that's stacked with guys who you know, can move the ball a little bit. Like Tim McVay is still averaging about six yards a carry. Jacob Stafford's got about five and a half. You know, maybe they run a few more end rounds to someone like Robert Cleveland than you've seen. Like he's averaging nearly 10 yards a carry. You
1: know what I see? I see a fullback dive in the future of this game. Lots of fullback dives.
0: So I don't necessarily think that it precludes Air Force getting blown out or anything like that. But I think, you know... If he can avoid turnovers, you know, my guess is they won't give him a lot of responsibility trying to run it himself. I don't know. It's kind of, it's hey, kind of dude, hard to well, say. But, I, you're, but you're I, do right. think, I do think Utah State has a couple of very significant advantages in this matchup regardless.
1: Yeah, they do. And one last thing on the QB, like maybe he's super athletic, which he should be, and he'll just be like a lot of keepers. Like I, I think what they mean, like his offense, it's – Unique as what it is, like you may not see him do what Worthman does, who pitches at the last second. You're probably going to see a lot of early pitches, or he's going to decide to keep himself and make that decision early on. And so that could Utah State could probably pick up on that and notice, oh, he's pitching behind the line of scrimmage. He's pitching like a toss. He's not going to attack in the line of scrimmage and then pitching once he gets to that point. Mm -hmm. So if that's the case, which would make sense because if he at least he gets Tuesday's practice, Wednesday, walk through everything he does through the week he gets that familiarity with it, but I'm going to expect lot of fullback dives. Like, so give it to Cleveland to end the rounds. Those are pretty simple plays, but it's a guy who's never played before. He's going to either keep the ball or toss it early. And if Aggies pick that up and if that's what he does, it's going to be game over. But there, there's not, it's not, you're right. It's not guaranteed. Aggies are going to blow them out or even win because this guy's quarterback. Maybe he's just super athletic and runs the ball very well. That's what you want in that position. It's probably what they have.
0: Mm-hmm. So And I mean, one thing to keep in mind is that, you know, as big as he is, he is bigger than Werthman and Romine. So it might be the kind of thing where maybe they're not afraid to let him run it a little bit by himself. I'm not totally sure. But that is something interesting to keep in mind, you know, because Air Force not necessarily about explosiveness, but they're all about efficiency. And if he can keep the chains moving, I don't think Falcons fans are going to complain that much.
1: All right. So, what do you think is going to happen? New quarterback for Air Force. There, maybe a bowl game intact. It's senior day. Aggies coming to town, looking just to solidify a bowl spot.
0: My guess is that Air Force keeps it keeps it close for a little while because I think the X factor of having an unknown at quarterback might throw the Aggies off a little bit, but. You know, we've seen what they can do when they can beat up on bad defenses, and that is more or less what Air Force is. So, you know, I'm expecting them to kind of take command early and keep the, all the keep the Falcons at arm's length after maybe a quarter or so. So I think Utah State will win, and I think it'll probably be something like, you know, 30, 30 to 20. Let's say that.
1: I'm going 30 to 10 for Utah State. I don't think Air Force will get that many points. All right. Just because new QB, it'll take some time to get going. But uh, that's it. That's our show. We are at the Sad Face regular season finale. It goes by so fast.
0: <laughs>
1: right? It does. Uh, like, we talk about this year-round, and there's 14 weeks, really, 15 weeks. But we made it. We got to the end here. Um, not that we made it, but we, we're here. So, uh, yeah, hope you enjoyed the show and your trip. If you're, like, if you're driving, or you're cooking, or you're flying, or whatever, thank you for listening. Do us a favor. Matt, can they do us a favor and give us a review on iTunes perhaps? Would that be helpful?
0: Or any other preferred platform choice or yes. podcast platform of choice.
1: Stitcher, leave a review. Subscribe on those platforms. A Spreaker, tune in. Um, give us a shout-out on Twitter. If you give us a shout-out, we'll give you a shout-out. I think it's absolutely, fair. It's only fair. So, yeah, thanks for listening to the show. Again, all our stuff, MWR.com. Um, we're, this is up a little bit early, but we'll still have – all the same previews, recaps, done for the week. So if you uh, want to read up on our take on Boise State Fresno, make into to uh, back-to-back games or who's going to host or the uh, what unwieldy path Boise can make to maybe going to a big-time bowl game, we got you covered. So thanks for listening, and, um, yeah, we're always biased to against your team.